Welcome back to the Balance Bully Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Rinthigpen. As always, I am beyond thrilled to be with you today. Listen, our next feature expert guest is cracking med school admissions with her mentorship programs and changing the trajectory of people's lives by giving our future public health professionals a jump start on creating a healthier us. Yes, I did say us. And all of you who have been listening to the BBP know how intentionally selfish I am. And I'm about me and my future self being extremely healthy. So I'm very excited that she is doing this work and on this mission. I want you to welcome Dr. Rachel Rizal. She's an author, Fulbright scholar, and founder of Cracking Med School Admissions, where she leverages her expertise from Princeton, Stanford, and Harvard. Let's highlight those. To date, Dr. Rachel's team has advised tens of thousands of aspiring doctors through the medical school application process. Dr. Rachel, welcome to the BBC, BBP. I was about to say the BBC, like we're on London TV, but I'm about that life. I'll take it. That was a 40 and slip. I'll go for it. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nikita. Thank you so much for having me. And hi, everyone. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited to be here with you. So one of the things that came up for me when I was professionally stalking you, as I do um, as part of my research and for the team, was you talk a lot about the importance of being authentic and using yourself and especially your innovative ideas when you're applying yourself to some of these very extremely high-end prestigious schools as a way to stand out. Why do Mm -hmm. you kind of encourage, I was going to say insist, but I'm sure you do it in a loving way. Why do you encourage the students that you're working with, that you're mentoring to use their innovation from their their backgrounds, their stories, their cultures, when you know so many other places and companies are on the opposite end of no, filling the boxes, be a part of the box, just check this off, don't stand out too much, let your grades do the talking. And you're actually encouraging them in a different way to really stand out by using themselves. Where does mm-hmm. that part come from for you? Okay, so first of all, I truly feel as a mentor that if a student or somebody um, tries to do something related to what they love or their passions, they will naturally put more energy into it and also think about new ideas on how to improve that specific problem. So as we've seen throughout COVID, there's so many different healthcare issues And individuals could tackle it from a biopharmacal and vaccine lens. They could tackle it from an AI and computer science lens. They could tackle it from a public health and social and culture lens. And so everybody, I think, really has their own strengths Mm -hmm. and own interests. And what I love to do is for everybody to find what they love and try to bring that into healthcare and medicine. Yeah. When you're working with these young, brilliant, beautiful minds who are also 
kind of seeking their identity, right? Like many of them that Uh are pre-med, I was pre-med as well, undergraduate. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I hit organic (laughs) chemistry and was like, this is not my life. (laughs) This is not my life at all. Uh (laughs) Um, But of course I valued it. I'm an overachiever, there's no question. And so Uh in doing doing that, there was a certain identity that I took on as a Uh pre-med student who was triple major in an undergrad and all the different little nuances that I had. But there was still a part of me that was still seeking, like what is that old movie, Seeking Susan? I was like seeking Nikita. So a lot of the students that are coming to you wanting to stand out and obviously get into these schools and with full scholarships, preferably for many of them, which I know is another kind of background aspect Uh of what your company helps them do. They're also still trying to figure out who they are. So sometimes Uh to your point about, you know, using what you love and fusing that in the process can be a little torturous for someone who's like, I don't know. I love so many things. I don't know which one to go because they're stuck in perfectionism and they don't want to choose the wrong thing. So do you Uh infuse like a lot of mindset coaching or any other element into that when you're helping extract that brilliance from them? I love working for with college students Mm -hmm. um, or young careerists Mm -hmm. because, okay, this is what happens when, when everyone's in high school, Almost everybody takes the same classes, right? Yeah. And you're taking like, okay, junior year equals AP, U.S. history, and AP bio if you're like on the honors track. Mm-hmm. And then people go to college. And I think a lot of students still have the mindset of, okay, oh my gosh, I'm pre-med. I need to do these, these, these. But actually, you have so much to explore. You could pick whatever major, whatever class you want. There's, there's some pre-med requirements, but that doesn't take more than half of your college schedule. Yeah. And so what I tell in my talks, what I tell students one-on-one is to really encourage them to um, explore, first of all, mm. in in the beginning of college. Yeah, like, I like this. Okay, look, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you like? Oh, okay, like you think you like a little bit of environmental science because of something you heard in high school? Why don't you take a class in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, you think you like research. Okay, why don't you actually find a research opportunity and let's see if you like it. And so when I get to work with students really early on, that's when I said, you know, explore first. Yeah. And then once they start figuring out, oh, I really like this opportunity. I'm like, okay, let's find another research project or let's let's work with the same lab, but try to do your own experiment. And I think, oh, I love working with college students. I think, um, you know, through the years, they really figure out a little bit more about who they am. Mm-hmm. And so that's, but then that's what I always emphasize. Like, don't get stressed about what all the other pre-meds are saying. Don't spend your time on all the social media forums of like, oh my gosh, I got XXX GPA mm-hmm. and you can't get in without this. And I'm like, you know, focus on you and what you like um, and keep keep moving at it. Oh my goodness, Dr. Rachel, we are two aligned hearts. Maybe I should have stayed in <laughs> the <laughs> track because on, on the other side of the world and the personal development space, I'm definitely saying a lot of what you are. Like it's about you. You can You can't, actualize for other people. You can only actualize based on your truth and the boundaries that you're willing to create, which for us is the definition of balance, your truth Mm -hmm. and the boundaries. And for you encouraging um, our young minds to 
play with curiosity and adventure mm-hmm. and really tap into like their inner scientists with the experimentation, that is a huge part of being successful in life mm-hmm. you know, outside of the physician part of their Correct. goals and their mission. And that's critical. I can't even think of schools that actually encourage that truly. And the fact that you're preparing them with that before they get accepted before I dare say get corrupted by some of <laughs> right conventional wisdom and society norms, mm-hmm. you're giving them a tool that is literally for lifelong success. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So you have a lot on your plate. You wear multiple, multiple hats and their mentorship is just one aspect of what mm-hmm. you do, which I know is important for your altruistic goals When you think about how you're creating your own work life and love balance, how do Uh you make room for that altruistic part, for the mentorship part? Because I know with young people, they are not necessarily stopping at 3 p.m. or realizing like, oh, Dr. Rachel's actually still a doctor. She might be in the emergency room or Uh or wherever. Uh How are you making room for that so that you don't resent the giving that you're doing? Uh Mm-hmm. Um, So I've been helping people with college and medical school admissions for a very, very long time. And I've tutored and taught for decades. And so this has always been an important part of me. Now, through my career, especially medical training, I had to, I I didn't have as much time to do it. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm post-training, I feel like I have all the time in the world. So, <laughs> You're free. Um, <laughs> so basically, I've once I was done with training, I thought, okay, what do I want to do, and do, where do I want to spend more time? Yeah. Um, and cracking med school admissions really was something that was very important to me. Mm-hmm. And I had already built a lot of relationships with pre-meds at different schools where I was like, you know what? I've, I have a good foundation. Let's take this to another level and let, let's spend more time. Yeah. So no. it was very, it was very, it was being very conscientious of like, okay, now I have more time. Where do I want to allocate it? Yeah. So you really looked at the priorities of things that matter to you. Obviously there's there's work, there's your personal relationships, your family, but this was high up on your priority list. So even though you could have, what a lot of people do when they are spent by the time they're done their residencies and fellowships and, and all the things, you still made a space, a dedicated Correct. allotment of time, what, regardless of whether it's a half an hour or five hours a week, whatever that is, to make Correct. sure that you were still able to pour out, which for me, as someone who teaches a lot about being intentionally selfish, that's why I teach it, is mm-hmm. knowing what you really want to do most and making the room for it. And right. all the other things either get delegated or deleted, right? <laughs> Correct. Um, and I think you need to be true to yourself, like, okay, I have this much bandwidth. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that you're um, piling on 10 10 youth tasks. And so like one one thought I had uh, near the end of my medical training was, should I come up with a new idea to start a totally new company Mm. or should I do grow cracking med school emissions? So that was like one of the 
thought decisions that I had to make. And I was like, wait, I really love cracking my school admissions. And my friends knew it too. So like whenever I talked to them um, and brainstormed ideas with them. And so that's why I, you know, move forward with it. And I do spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. I mean, you, they can't see you because we don't have video with the show, but you are lit up whenever you're talking about it, especially the youth and the careerist, as you as you call mm-hmm. our future new leaders that are incumbent to hopefully take care of our aging bodies and minds and souls <laughs> and spirits. Um, and in, in that right, because they are current college students that are also inundated with whatever life is giving them and they're mm-hmm. working, some of them have families. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's the financial aspect of you know, can, yes, I want to be a doctor, but can I afford to be a doctor? And I know that's something that you help them do with full scholarships, but all of that together doesn't take away the overwhelm of, of just the nervousness that can come uh-huh. with, well, I won't I, right? You know, get in. So that student life balance is really important. Is that something that because you've been through this a couple of colleges in, you know, Stanford, Princeton, Harvard, Harvard, are you able to share, you know, personal, relatable stories with them? Like, listen, I'm not dismissing life that's happening, but I know you can do this. I know this because I did it. Like, this is this is why this is supportive. Like, are you able to support them in their student life balance that way? For sure. I bring, I was, I loved living in the San Francisco Bay area Mm. um, where innovation and entrepreneurship is, you know, buzzing all the time. And one thing that one, one frame of mind that individuals have there is it's okay to fail Mm -hmm. and it's okay, you know, try, try, try. And if you keep failing, that's fine. Eventually you may succeed and that builds resilience, right? And so I, that's the type of mentality that I share with my students. Like, go ahead and try. It's okay if you email 50 doctors and no one responds to shadow and no one responds to you. Um, actually, the story I give was the first time I was trying to find a research position. Mm-hmm. So I have nobody in my family in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do any like family or family friend connections. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I literally started emailing um, in, uh, professors in my area in which I was interested in like their lab and what they were researching in. And it was only like the 74th professor that I emailed um, who I was able to call mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, finally said yes. Yeah. And I was like, it took me 74 times. And, you know, w- with those 74 people, there were follow-up emails and follow-up phone calls. And I'm like, you just got to be persistent. And if you want it, if you want to be a physician, um, you have to be persistent like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story I share with my students. Yeah, I mean, that's when I hear that I'm thinking of tenacity that is required as an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. So I think uh-huh. that's your entrepreneurial spirit kicking in with like, let's be persistent, consistent until I get a no, there's still an opportunity, right? And uh-huh. if you get a no, okay, that, that just means next move on to the Correct. 73rd or, you know, till you get to the right. 74th person. Um, right. And that is also a skill that is not taught. <laughs> so the fact that your 
giving them these these tools. Like it seems on the surface, like no, nope, it's just about getting you into to school to to help you be the next future leader, future doctor, future helper of the world. But you're really doing a lot more than that behind mm-hmm. the scenes mm-hmm. with these life skills, these life management skills that you're offering. Um, mm-hmm. So this leads me to my question, which you know as a subscriber and listener to the BBP that I ask mm-hmm. every single expert, which with all the hats that you're wearing and everything that you're doing, how are you giving yourself permission to So two things. One, I allocate time in my daily and weekly schedule to take walks by myself. And I think during those walks, I just, I'm not on my phone. I literally just let my mind randomly wander and think about nothing or, you know, whatever it thinks about. And I, I do think that's one way I give myself a pause. Yeah. The second way is um, pausing for me means socializing, okay. <laughs> not about work, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a very, very extroverted person. So like, that's why I love talking to you. I love talking to students. Like I get energy at a quote unquote pause from work mm-hmm. um, whenever I meet, meet with friends and family. Um, and so I'm very deliberate about making time for my friends, whether it's like catching up on the phone um, or doing a Zoom or, um, you know, meeting somebody up for coffee. And I really make it a priority if somebody's in town, wherever I'm living at that point, I will always see them. So if somebody's like, Rachel, I'm in town. It's like, okay, I'm blocking off the whole day or the whole half day or maybe even the whole weekend. So um, that that has really allowed me to have a lot of balance, not just now, but also during my medical training. Yeah, which is important because, you know, for the Grey's Anatomy watchers out there, we know that they show that they are either on the extreme of over-socializing and not doing enough of the medical, (laughs) or they're showing the burnout because they're not, they're so rigid from not allowing themselves that connection, that intimacy, that opportunity to touch and be touched. And I'm not even talking in a sexual way, just in general, Uh just the connection that we as social humans typically need, even the most introvert. I feel like I'm married to the most introverted human on the planet. And he absolutely, one of his love languages is touch. Like he needs that, even though he would never necessarily say like, Yes, come and touch me. <laughs> but it's important—a hug from you know a sibling, a a hand holding from his youngest daughter. Like uh-huh. those things really matter to us. And the fact that you are creating space in your daily life for that as uh-huh. often as you can possibly do between twelve-hour days and you know everything in between is uh-huh. really important. So I value personally that you are a reflection of how you can be in the spirit of living fully without Uh going to the extreme of burning out. You know, Uh of course, I'm sure you have hard days and tough moments and you're in healthcare, you're a physician. I'm sure you see all kinds of things that might Uh lead to vicarious trauma. So you have to do a lot of self-care for yourself. Uh But the fact that you're actively doing this Uh and you're not falling into it from this exhausted, resentful state where you're like, "Mm, paging Dr. Rachel, nope, she's upstairs on the fifth floor inpatient. She won't be available for the next 30 days after her blackout period, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're not allowing it to come to that point, which is a big deal. 
great. Yeah, that's a really big deal. So Uh thank you. I want to know how can people connect with you and what should they do if they're listening to this and either themselves as adult learners or Uh a young person in college that they have as a student or a guardian of is really interested in this process, but very nervous about what Uh it looks like. Uh, the best way to get in contact with me is crackingmedadmissions.com. Mm-hmm. There's a contact link on the top. There are contact forms on multiple parts of the website and my blog. And so crackingmedadmissions.com, fill out the contact form, and that goes directly to me. So I nice. will respond. Nice. And by the way, you have a lot of content on your blog. So there's there's <laughs> plenty for the people who are like analytical <laughs> and research-based there's plenty rabbit holes for people mm-hmm. to go down and get lots of information mm-hmm. on why why choosing the help versus trying to stumble and figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I talk to lots of types of individuals interested in healthcare. Mm-hmm. It may be like, I'm so gung-ho, I knew I want to be a doctor, or, hey, I just listened to this um, topic and I got inspired to think about healthcare. Like, what are your thoughts? I've also worked from, you know, students as young as eighth grade and the oldest individual we've helped get into uh, medical school was in his late thirties. And nice. so I really talked to a wide range of individuals. No, I'm, I'm pretty impressed to hear that too. I'm thinking of, I don't live in that state anymore, but in a previous life of mine, <laughs> 20 plus years ago, I don't even think my youngest was a thought at that point. <laughs> but the physician that was my primary care doctor was her first career was a chef before mm, she went great. back to medical school in her 30s. And she that's she, awesome. Yeah, she shared that she had mentors guide her and basically encourage her to release her inner medical doctor that was already there. I thought that was pretty impressive. So it can be done. And she was a phenomenal yes. physician. And I'm sure she's used her knowledge as a chef yes. to help individuals think about nutrition mm-hmm. and diet. And so that's what I mean. It's like, okay, just because you changed your career, you could really leverage a lot of your knowledge in your last career to um, helping improve individuals health and lives. Yeah. That those, um, what do we call them? The transferable skills. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm about, I'm about that life. I use a lot of my transferable skills <laughs> now and, and all the things. So uh, yes, a hundred percent. Thank you so much for being with us, for carving out time and your full schedule to make room for this opportunity to share your story, the behind the scenes of cracking med school admissions, what that process looks like helping to calm the nerves for anyone listening that was unsure of the possibility or just thought it was so out of reach for themselves or the person that they love that is interested in this field. Because we know, especially after COVID and the high burnout rate from the pandemic and the ripple that that created, that our physicians are needed. And we want more of them that want to be there, that have these beautiful, brilliant minds to transfer what they love into what they're doing and they can show up in their most authentic self. So thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. 
All right, Balance Bowley listeners, thank you so much for tuning in as always. I'm always excited when I get your emails and DMs about your favorite takeaway. Let this not be the exception. Let us know what you loved, what you got. And of course, I always ask for two favors because I'm selfish and I don't mind asking because ask not, receive not, right? My first favor is for you to honor Dr. Rachel's time by thinking of at least one person outside of yourself. You might be included in this as well. You're a bonus person. But if there is one person that you're thinking, you know what, her story, her triumph, even the tribulations that she had to navigate through that she shared, as well as the why for what she's doing is inspiring. If you have one person in your ecosystem that you can think of, share this episode with them. It matters. Don't explain it. Heard this great interview. Here you go. Take a listen. That's all you have to say. I promise it really is that easy. And the second thing that I always ask, my second favor, is for you to enjoy the balance of your day. But remember, do it boldly. 